Well, it's happened again. Every time I aim this sermon at somebody, they're never here. So all of you that's here can just sit back and relax because it's not aimed towards you. Y'all can just enjoy it. Take a nap if you want to, whatever. But I want to talk to you a little bit about eternal life. This is going to sound like I've been watching too much Star Trek. That's what my wife said anyway. But this is something I believe is a correction in the ideas that I've had about birth and life, birth and death. And uh, where heaven is or where eternity is. And this is just some things that God showed me. If you, know, if you can receive it, fine. If you don't, well, you know, shove it. <laughs> we live in a parallel time zone between reality and eternal life, and they exist side by side. You know, we, we get this idea that uh, heaven is way up there somewhere. So therefore, God's got to be way up there somewhere. And that's the reason why you don't hear some of our prayers. He just never makes it that high. Well, see, those are things that's not true. It's not thing, things are not true because God hears every prayer that's prayed. Some of them are prayed ahead of time. And it, it talks in Revelation about he's got a lot of the prayers of the saints in a vase up there. And then whenever it gets time, he's just going to pour them out. He never, never, never not listen to your prayer. In this world, we live in a 24-hour time frame. There's 24 hours in a day. We're all subject to that. But in eternity, there is no time. There's no time frame. In the eternal time zone, 24 hours does not exist. But it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I want to read you something in uh, Hebrews. Uh, it's about a fellow by the call by the name of Melchizedek. It said, For this Melchizedek, the king of Salem, the priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of his uh, off, first being interpreted the king of righteousness, after that the king of Salem, which is the king of peace. He was without father, without mother, without descendants, having neither beginning of days nor the end of life, but was made unto the icon of the Son of God, abiding a priest forever continually. See, Abraham met eternity right there. Melchizedek met him. That's, that always uh, amazed me that he, he said he didn't have a father, didn't have a mother, didn't have any descendants, but he was made into the likeness of the Son of God. So, <clears throat> looking at that, I look at birth and death a little different. And as I was studying it, I was impressed by God to say this. Before there's ever conception, God sends a spirit into that place. That spirit has all of the days of its life numbered. It has all of its plan for that life before conception is completed. 
It doesn't matter how the conception came. God sends his spirit because he loves all people. And as he brings that plan into to your life, it depends on you to follow that plan. He didn't force you to follow the plan. He just got this great plan for you. Like me, some of you, most of the ones that's not here, were rebellious. And it took time to find what plan God had for me. But he had a plan. It never changed. You know, I've, I've heard people get prophecies, and they prophesying over somebody, and I'm sitting there thinking, boy, Lord, if you knew who you was prophesying to, you wouldn't say that. But you see, God loves everybody the same. There is no special people in his kingdom. They're all special. Whatever you do, no matter where you come from, no matter what you do, you're special in the eyes of God. Now I want to read you something out of Jeremiah. It says, then, this is Jeremiah, first chapter, verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed thee in thy belly, in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou came forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I had ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. See, he had sent a spirit. He had a prophetic spirit that he wanted to bring into the world, and Jeremiah just happened to be the one that he picked. But it happened before conception. God knew it was going to happen, so he sent that spirit to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29, 11. Verse uh, 20, 29, verse 11, it says, For I know thy thoughts of you, I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not evil, to give you an expected end. And see, in this spirit is an expected end for all of us. It's his plan for our lives. He gives us a plan, but most of us, you know, fumble around and not follow it too close. But he has a plan. He has a plan for everybody because he loves everybody the same. And he was talking to Jeremiah here. Jeremiah was a, a young prophet. And he had to correct him on some things. And he told him, he says, you know, let me tell you what my thoughts for you are. They're thoughts of not evil, but good to give you an expected end. See, that expected end was already in that, that uh, spirit that God gave. It takes our cooperation to fulfill that that calling in our lives he doesn't force us sometimes I wished I wished Lord you to force me a little earlier than what you did it would have saved me a lot of heartaches but he didn't he waited until I come to the the realization that I needed God and when I come to the realization I needed God then he began to unfold his plan for me You know, we're, we're influenced by a lot of things that we hear. Death is merely stepping into the realization of eternal life. It's not out yonder somewhere. It's right beside us. And when someone dies, you know, we mourn here because we lose them here. 
But to God, they just stepped to one side, and they were in the presence of God. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's not out yonder in the, the great by and by. You know, we, we sing a lot of songs, and we base our f- faith on these songs like, I'll fly away. Well, where are you going to fly to? You know, I was, you, you think, well, it's up there somewhere. But then, you know, the astronauts just went around the circle of the moon and come back, and they didn't find it. So it can't be up there somewhere. But it is a spiritual thing, and it's parallel with us today. It's right beside us. God is just a, 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 a step away from us. That's why our prayers can be answered, because, you know, he sits there and listens to the prayers. He listens to every prayer that you pray. And he hastens to fulfill those prayers. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I know some people that's been translated into the the eternal realm. Uh, Most of them do not leave their body physically. But they're placed into the eternal realm without restraints. And it's amazing to me. For instance, I listened to a, a, a lady teacher by the name of Katie Souza. Has any of you ever heard of her? She does this quite often. God has given her an anointing. It wasn't because she was an exceptionally good person. I think she spent 11 years in prison. But when she got saved, God put a special anointing on her, and she goes into the presence of God quite often. And when she lays down, when she gets sick, or something's come upon her, she will lay down and go to sleep, and immediately she's in the presence of the Lord at that place where the problem came in, and when she wakes up, the problem's gone. Now, I don't do that. Sometimes I wish that I could, but I don't do that. But she goes back to the place where the sickness, or whatever it was, entered into her life, and and just goes to sleep, and that's the anointing that she has. I know a lady who was just walking alone, not thinking about God. And she raised up her right foot to take a step. And immediately, she was at the tomb of Jesus. She could see the tomb. She went into the tomb. She looked around in the tomb. She came out, and she looked around all the places there. And then her right foot hit the floor. It happened in the middle of a step. But you see, there's no time frame in in the eternal. And all the things that she did took just a twinkling of an eye for that to be accomplished. Although in the spirit realm, it seemed like it was a long time. I know when my wife's little brother, Brad, was a newborn baby, he had problems because of a, a birth mishap by a nurse. His problems were severe, and it took a lot of praying to save his life. Now, what had happened to him, his mother was in the hospital to deliver, and as they were going down the hall, it, 
the delivery took place. And the nurse panicked and took and pushed his head back inside. And it jammed the, the uh, nerves in the back of his neck so that he was never quite uh, the same. There was parts of his brain that didn't develop because of the severed nerves. Now, they had a friend who had a spiritual gift of being able to see into the supernatural. And this lady would come over to their house and she would pray for bread. She had a vision she could see into the eternal realm just like she could see into the present. She had that anointing on her. And she told Amy, that's Charlotte's mother, she said, reach into the eternal realm and bring him back, which she did. She physically reached out and caught a hold of him in the spirit and pulled him back out of the eternal realm back into this life. Now, you know, we, we, we look at that and we say, whew, that's way past me. Well, it's past me also. But she always, one, one day she was there praying for him and she made this statement. She says, no, no, baby, don't go there yet. It's not your time. And she pulled him back in. Now, we, we see things like, or hear things like that happening, and we don't understand it. Well, it's beyond our understanding most of the time. Most of the time, it's beyond our understanding. <laughs> I don't see into the eternal realm like that, but I have an anointing to take people back in time, and set them free of their problems. Now, I've never seen uh, anything happen, you know, as far as a vision. But God gave me an anointing to do that. And that's what I did for years. I would just sit down with someone, and, and they would just start telling me about their life. And as they would tell me, God would send up a little flag every once in a while. And when they got through, sometimes they they talked for an hour, telling me all their problems, pouring out their life to me. And when they get through, I'd say, okay, there's three things we need to pray for. And it was miraculous, the things that happened in their life with just those three prayers. Because, see, I took them back to that time in their life when this thing happened, when it occurred in their life, and God healed it. And when they were healed, it made a difference in their life. Now, in the book of Luke 4.18, we have these famous words of, of the Lord. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance unto the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and set them at liberty that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Part of the 
anointing that he gave me was to, to heal the brokenhearted. And as, you know, when, when I understood what, what God was trying to do through me, the brokenhearted means those in a place that's not good. And the word hearted, brokenhearted, heartache means the emotional and physical stress that you go through. And see, that's what he, he appointed for me to do. And this is not to, not to say that I'm somebody special because I know several people in this church that does the same thing. But this is the way that he was working with me. This was part of my deal. This is why I believe that the eternal is present right next to the physical because it doesn't take much to get it. And with simple prayer, it can be brought together. John 3.18. I'm sorry, John uh, Third chapter, verse 18. It says, My little children, let us not love in the world, neither by tongue or by deed and truth. And hereby we know that we are of truth, and we shall share our hearts before him. Now listen to these last two verses. For if our hearts condemn us not, greater, uh, God is greater than our hearts and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our hearts condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. Now, <clears throat> the way this thing works is you've got some hurts in your life that's probably covered up and you don't even know they're there. But those things condemn us before God. We come uh, and get ready to do something for God. That familiar spirit that Dharma's been talking about comes up there and says, you can't do that. Look at your life. You remember what happened back when? And it condemns us. And when we're condemned before God, when our hearts condemn us, then we don't have confidence toward God. God cannot move in unfaith. You have to have faith for God to move in your life. And the way that the devil keeps us from doing it, he condemns our heart. Beloved, if our hearts condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. Now, I'm not talking about the new man. I'm not talking about the exchanged life. I'm talking about the life that we live here. You know, we can have the exchanged life, and most of us do, but we still live in this old body. And there's still things that condemns us, condemns us, and, and we can't do it. You know, uh, lots of times when I was teaching on forgiveness, People in the audience later would come up and say, you know, I, I hadn't thought about this in, in 20, 30 years. God would just remind them of where this thing came into their life. God can set us free from that thing because he came to heal the brokenhearted. The brokenhearted is not for the new man. The brokenhearted is for this old physical body that lives in this 24-hour reality called life. Everybody has problems. If you haven't had problems, please next week come up here and teach us how to do that. Because I've got problems. I've had problems. I still got some problems. But I have learned through the years how to get rid of those problems. You know, this thing works on everybody. It works on me too. And I can remember when God started 
dealing with me in this area and, and showing me things in my life that it took him three months. <laughs> Every once in a while, he'd bring something up. He'd bring something up. And I can remember the last thing he brought up. Now, this was when I was working uh, as a draftsman down at Porch Brothers. I was drawing on a, 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 a blueprint, and my mind was focused on that. I was having to run through a bunch of mathematical problems and, and in order to draw that. And right in the middle of that, God brought this second-grade teacher to me. Just as clear. And I, was, I backed up, and I threw my pencil down on that, but it bounced across the room. And I said, that old bat. And the guy working with me said, what'd you say? I said, I dropped my pencil. (laughs) But I had to go through that healing with that second grade teacher. Now, it wasn't much. I was a very chivalrous young man, and I sat in front of one girl and behind another girl that loved to pass notes. Now, I know as second graders, you never did do that. But they would make me, they would hand me the note. And I would have to find his own. And I got caught. And this old teacher, that old bat, she said, what do you got in your hand? And I started crumpling that thing up. And I said, it's just a piece of paper. She says, what, what's on that paper? And I said, I can't tell. It's all wrinkled up. And she said, you're a liar. Now, she spoke the truth. But boy, it cut me deep because I was a shiverous young man. I was just helping these two girls out. And that was the last thing he showed me before he set me free from a lot of things. And then he started showing me things in other people's lives that I could set them free with. But that familiar spirit comes in on those little incidents and begins to attack you with them. You know, when you... Uh, start to do something for God, you ever notice how things come against you? How thoughts come against you? You know, it's kind of like a computer. It does pop-ups when you're trying to work on it, and all of a sudden, here's this pop-up in front of you. And you're sitting there thinking, where in the world did that thing come from? Well, that's what the devil does. He gives you a pop-up at the time when you think you're getting ready to go visit somebody to pray for them, God to put it on your heart. You need to go pray for somebody. And then the pop-ups start up. Well, you, you, you hadn't made all your beds up today. You hadn't washed dishes today. You were supposed to change plugs in your car today. I mean, everything that you can think of to keep you from going and praying for somebody. That's the way he does me. I don't know. He probably doesn't do you that way, but he does those people that's not here today. But it's that familiar spirit that keeps us from believing God that we're a sinless person, but we think we're bad. Where does that spirit come from? That comes from the devil. But now let me let me let me say something that that you may or may not agree with, but there's not a person here that's ever been affected or ever been criticized or ever been had Satan come and do something to them. 
Satan has never touched a single person in this room. Satan hadn't touched a single person in this room. We are not what he's after. See, he's got powers and principalities and rulers of darkness in high places that takes care of us. But Satan had a motivation to be the highest he could be. That's why he got kicked out of heaven. He said, I'll you know, exalt my throne above the throne of God and I'll just you know, do things my way. And he got kicked out of heaven. Well, God had given Adam the authority over this earth. He was the God of this earth. And Satan came into the garden because he knew that Adam ruled the earth. That Adam had dominion over the things of the earth, the things that fly, the things in the sea, everything. And so he wanted that dominion. And that's why he disguised himself in that form of a serpent and went to Eve. Eve was different than Adam. And he deceived Eve. And then it says she took and gave to Adam standing beside her. And he was just rebellious. And he took a bite. And that devil got that rule of the kingdom. Well, when Jesus was here. And he got baptized by John. It says the spirit took him into the wilderness. To be tested. And in that wilderness, Satan came to him and said, look. See, all the kingdoms of this world, they belong to me. If you'll worship me, I'll give you some of these kingdoms. And I'm thankful that God, that Jesus refused that. But you see, he's after ruling things. He's not after you. He's not after me. I'm not big enough for him to even bother with. But he's after countries. For instance, you can look around and you can tell what countries he's working in. Like North Korea. He went to North Korea and he has motivated the ruler of North Korea into evil things. He wants to rule North Korea. And he's ruling North Korea right now. He went to Iran. He's doing the same thing in Iran. See, he's after countries. He's after kingdoms. He's not after me and you. He's got all his little demons and stuff to take care of me and you. So lots of times when you're rebuking Satan, you're rebuking the wrong thing. You don't rebuke Satan because he's not the one bothering you. <clears throat> it's these little demons and stuff that come. That's who you rebuke. These unclean spirits. That's who you rebuke. Rebuking Satan, he's not even around you. So it don't really do you much good. But you find out these little demons and, and take care of them. And that's the way it works. And that's what familiar spirits is. Now, back to moving into the realm of the supernatural, in the realm of eternal life. I'll give you a couple of quick testimonies. And this is not to, to say, you know, look at him, look what he did. Because I didn't do nothing. God did it all. I can remember when we had our home group over there, we had some young ladies in it in this one lady had come to visit. She was about 20 years old. And you could tell by looking at her, she had some problems. 
And one of her friends that went to our group says, well, why don't you go and just get some counseling? And so finally she came over to do some counseling. And right away I knew she had two problems. She had problems against authority. And she hated men. So as, I, as she was talking, God would send up these little flags. This is what her problem is. And so when we got into the ministry part, I said, tell me about your father. And boy, you know, you could just see the hair on the back of her neck bristle up. She said, he deserted me. And because she felt abandoned, she hated men because she knew that all men was going was to shortchange her. And so I said, well, tell me about how he abandoned you. She said, when I was in kindergarten, or the first grade, I can't remember which one it was, it came an ice storm. And we had to go to school. And my father picked me up and was carrying me into the school and he got up on the top step, his foot slipped, he fell back and hit his head on the step and it killed him. That's how she felt abandoned. It wasn't his fault. But see, she felt the abandonment of the father leaving her. She's too young to understand life and death. You know, kids don't understand life and death. But she figured that all men were like that. They would abandon her if they wanted to. And so I took her back to that time. And I said, well, what memories do you have of your father? She said, I don't have any memories of my father. I don't have any memories. He left me. And so I quizzed her a little bit more. And I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to go back, and, and God's going to take care of this problem for you. And I led her through a simple prayer. God is simple. He doesn't take a lot. Of, he just needs an opening. And I said to her, I said, whenever you go home tonight, you're going to start remembering things about your father. Well, I didn't see her the next week, and I thought, well, maybe I blew it. But the next week, she came to the group, and she was all bubbly. And I said, what did, what's happened? She said, you know, ever since I was a baby, my father carried me everywhere he went. She said, I got memories of him from the time I was one year old, two years old, three years old. said, he was a loving father. See, because of the trauma that happened in her life, If our hearts condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. She had no confidence toward God. Now that's kind of a, a dramatic one. But I'll give you one more. There was this lady who lost her husband. And she had insomnia. She could not sleep. She would lay down to sleep, and, and, you know, she tossed and turned all night, and she'd wake up every few minutes. And, boy, you could tell it was taking a toll. Her face looked like she hadn't slept in days. And that had been going on for more than a week. She had no sleep for a week. And so God sent up this little flag, 
And the group I was in was praying for her, and when they got through praying for her, I said, can I pray for you? She said, sure. I mean, she was, she was a godly woman, very open to God. She found out that she blamed God for her husband's death. And we went through that. She had to forgive God. Now, I know that sounds wild, but in her mind, she couldn't, she knew she was a woman of faith, but she could not comprehend why God would take her young husband. And so I led her in a prayer, and we busted up that night. The next morning at breakfast, she come in, smiles, and some says, well, how'd you sleep last night? She says, I remember laying down, putting my head on the pillow, and it was time to get up. See, God does lots of things like that for us. Wasn't anything I did. If God don't fold them red flags up, I don't have any clue. You know, it, it got to the point where even if I was sitting in a restaurant and people were at the next table talking, I would sit there and these little flags kept popping up, kept popping up. Well, you can't minister to somebody unless they come to you. But it got so, so that I could not carry on a, a conversation with anybody without these little flags just flying everywhere. And it was, it was hard because when you know that, you, wanna, you want to take care of it. But you know that you can't. It's like Jesus. He walked through that bunch of sick folks laying at the pool of whatever pool that was. And he picked one guy and healed him. And see, he knew all the rest of them were sick. He knew all the rest of them needed healing. But God said, this one. And that was, that was one of the hardest things for me to, to do was because I wanted to be the hero and set everybody free. But God wouldn't let me. Only the ones he brought to me. Everybody has problems in their life. Everybody has things that happened in their life that they wished hadn't have happened. It can come in on trauma. Or it can come in on unforgiveness. Trauma is one of the big ones. And let me give you, I'm, I'm sure everybody has experienced this. You're doing something and you get hurt. I mean, pretty good. Skin up pretty bad, and you lay down to go to sleep at night, you really live that thing over and over and over. It's called a memory recall spirit. And you think about that, and you try to, get, try to go to sleep, and you think about that accident again. You think about that accident again. Well, see, that's the way the uh, spirit works. Never, never gives you rest. God gives you rest. God gives you rest. That's, that's the good news. God gives you rest. But I just want to tell you, the supernatural is real. All you've got to do is ask God. 
He wants to touch you more than what you want to be touched. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The whole world. Every single person in this world, God loved. God loved them. He still loves them. But only those that come to him in the name of Jesus are going to make it. God loves you. And God wants you set free. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your love for us and for the things that you've given us, the blessings that you poured out upon us this day. Thank you for the blessings of yesterday. Father, we thank you that everything that happens to us, you're there to make a blessing out of it. And Father, we thank you for that so much. And Lord, we just ask you to forgive us for our unbelief. We just curse that thing in the name of Jesus and say, Father, I believe in you. Lord, I just ask you to go with us this day and thank you for your blessings. Amen.